What's up, everybody? What's going on? So, it's that time. I just got finished watching the final episode of Power Book 2, Season 2. And I'm just going to say this. It's about to get real insane for Season 3. Alright? So, I'm going to do it this way. Since I didn't give a prediction, a mid-season review, all that good stuff, I'm just going to break down each character. I might make this two parts because there's a lot of characters going on. I'm going to break down each character from the entire season. So, let's start out with Tariq. So, I'm just going to say this. Tariq, Tariq has been making moves ever since the first season that ended up helping him out toward the end of this season. I don't know if you guys want me to make this spoiler or not, but I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll say... Ah, this is going to be tough because I feel like if I if I try to get my review on this, I'm going to spoil something. So I'll put spoiler review on the title on this one. Um, but I will announce the spoilers before I say it. Or I'll try. Anyway, I'll try. So, the season basically started out with Tariq basically trying to figure out how to get himself out of jail. Because, no, I take that back. The season started, everyone trying to figure out who killed Jabari Reynolds, his professor, his clinical study uh, professor. Okay, so the clues got around to Tariq that it was a strong possibility that it was a, it was somebody at the school who killed Professor. Also, they really didn't know what the motive was at the beginning. And they had to find a bunch of different things going on between the first episode. Now, I want to say the fifth when they finally convicted Tariq, spoiler, sorry, um, or arrested Tariq, sorry, um, so, going through that, if you guys have seen first season, you realize that Kane was the actual killer of Jabari Reynolds, and Tariq finished the job, but Tariq is taking most of the guilt because when Kane shot Professor Reynolds, he was still alive, and Tariq finished him off. Okay? Keep that in mind. So, a lot of the issues that happened with Tariq in this particular season was because of Kane. Now, Kane got his own set of issues that, until the final episode of this season, and to be all honest with you, I don't even know if he's getting anything off of his his chest because if you look at the the story aspect between Tariq and Kane excuse me I was parched um Tariq has literally never done a thing to make Kane believe he was against them the entire two seasons as soon as Tariq knew what Kane's role was in the Tejada family 
Tariq actually wanted to use Kane for that particular role, but not in his favor. But if there was a situation going down with, say, let's just say Diana or Drew, he would let Kane know the situation. And if it was somebody actually trying to take something from Kane, why would you do something like that? If you if he's trying to step in and take something from the family, why would he do something like that? And this is what Monet was trying to show Kane the entire way, but he just wasn't paying attention. So with Tariq, his story basically progressed from trying to hide the fact that he knows who killed Professor Reynolds. Also, still trying to be a college student. Also, trying to gain custody of his of his little sister, who was up for adoption at the particular time because his mom went into witness protection. And finally, also wanting to basically continue to be the guy he is, but he wanted to make sure himself was set up so that his family would be okay. He wouldn't have to worry about the Tejadas and, and ultimately toward the final episode, he wanted to get out of the drug game altogether. So I think Tariq had the biggest storyline, obviously because the, the show was about him. Um, but there were so many things going on around him that it kind of made power book to this particular season more about everyone except Tariq if that makes any sense because you know we had the the curveball with his grandmother um his younger sister um uh sax and um oh my goodness why am I drawing a blank with the method band's character but the lawyers um who else the Tejadas especially with Lorenzo coming home. Like, it, it, it became more of a full story in this second season and made it more enjoyable. I felt like the first season was a lot of forced things going on, and it kind of took you out of certain aspects of the show when they talked about certain people. And I, and I think they got away from that, and it made the second season a little bit more enjoyable for me. So, with Tariq... Tariq basically had a lot of things to juggle, as well as deal with a bunch of things going on around him. Uh, he got Effie hanging around, which is hilarious to me because Effie goes to Yale, which, if you look at it in realistic terms, Yale is about a good, what, two-hour, three-hour drive away from Stansfield, from how they got it laid out? They kind of mentioned it, but I couldn't remember. And... um. Effie was there quite a bit this season. Like, the, what she had, uh, they had, they had a COVID time off. They, they was taking virtual courses or something. Because, I mean, it was like she was living up there by Stansfield. So, but they kind of made it so, like, Stansfield is close to New York City, I guess. They kind of didn't really, or it's in New York City, something like that. Okay. Um, so... I feel like Tariq's storyline actually took a take. But I think Tariq was extremely reckless a lot of the time in this particular season. Now, when they came up with the strategy to do some things around Mecca, he was the brains behind it. But he wasn't sloppy with it. Except for the fact when he actually went to Mecca's spot 
the first time. That's entirely too sloppy. Like, here's my thing. And for a lot of people, you know, you grow up, you see Animal Kingdom and things like that. If you're trying to sneak around certain things, you're not going to do something to get you seen. Here's what I mean. I can't remember what episode it was. It might have been like episode seven-ish. He was following Kane to meet up with the distributor. Okay? So, when he got to the place where Kane went into the building, Tariq literally like two seconds later walks up to the building right after Kane. Like, I, I don't, I don't, as it was happening, the first thing I'm saying is, okay, if if he's walking into a building with a guy that's their distributor, he has to have security cameras all over the place. The parking lot, whatever. You walk up to the door and you think nobody's going to rush you because they don't identify you? Come on, dog. And once again, he just, you know, easily gets away, you know. Guy tells him to leave him. Let him walk away. But it's dumb because Mecca acted like he didn't know who it was. Kane said he didn't know who it was. And we all know that Mecca knew Kane knew who it was. It was funny, like, watching this entire season. Because, like, it was like Mecca was making moves. But obviously he knew what was going on. But was trying to play stupid. So that's a whole another aspect with it. But I think Tariq... His planning, his planning, his planning is always a one. Down to what happened in the final episode. But when he has to get into action, he's by far the biggest idiot in the world. First of all, my thing is, it's already been established that he can't fight. Okay? Like, zero whatsoever. So if he gets to a fist fight, he's getting his butt kicked. Why would you do anything? Like, it's funny to me because Brayden got better hands than Tariq. And Brayden's a rich boy. But I digress. Let's go on to the next character. Brayden. Oh, Brayden. Let me tell you something. Brayden, this entire season, went from I don't know what to do, rich white boy, to I'm down for whatever uh, white boy, to I'll never do this white boy, to... You know I got your back, white boy. I've got to listen to this, white boy. Like, this is this is what's Braden's art right here. So, I really hated Braden in the first season. He started talking to some random chick who clearly looked like she was underage at the time. He really didn't care. Every time Tariq tried to tell him something, he kind of brushed it off like whatever. He tried to tell her to drop shorty. He said, no, we in love, this, 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 whatever. Complete 180 this season. I completely love Brayden this season. Brayden had probably one of the hardest storylines in this second season. At one point, when Tariq went down and they couldn't do anything, I'm pretty sure he put some money in. He had to. Um, We all know that he had a crush on Effie. We all know Effie was in love with Tariq. 
changed that up. Held it down. Then, Tariq, you got all the girls? Just pick one. As soon as Effie came hunting around, chilling around, Brayden ain't say a word. All right? So, so when it came time for Brayden to actually hold it down, he almost slipped with Lauren. But in the final episode, he was the man. Ultimate way of holding it down. Using his white privilege, shall we say. Couldn't get in trouble for one thing because... You know what was funny? I don't even know why he never got in trouble for it. He literally admitted to running something at high school and also running something in college. And they were just like, okay, well, Tariq, you're done. I just thought about that. But teachers on. They tried to get Tariq on one thing, went full-blown just so they can connect the two. And when they found out that Braden had his name what everything automatic done if they lying about this how do we know that they're not lying about this this and this power move like I said to replan in the head Braden didn't have to do that now they originally didn't want Braden because they knew how he was acting being investigated with the pictures and every and everything they wanted his brother Trace now, we all know his brother Trace. He don't care. He's the biggest snitch of the whole crew. But I have a feeling that Tariq probably would have had a backup plan if Trace would have been up there. Because for one, we all know Trace is a dope head. A huge dope head. Not only that, we know that sister is a huge dope head. So, hey, Trace, you want to get in there if you want to. I got something for that. So, Braden, all due respect, love you, brother. Now let's go to Effie. Effie is basically playing the Tasha role for Ghost. She's in the street. She's getting the money. She she's making sure nothing gets slipped behind the nobody's back, especially Tariq's. Holding it down. Got to the point where she's so in love with Tariq, she'll do whatever. Sound familiar? Tariq got a couple other girlfriends. You got Diana sneaking behind. And then you got Lauren slipping in there. What Effie do? Try to take try to take Tariq away from both of them. Now I think the Diana aspect of it is a little interesting now. So Tariq asked Effie at the end of the final season, you know, you don't have to stay at Yale. I see it's a couple openings now at Stansfield. Why don't you uh, consider transferring? She left the door open, never said a word. I'll call you when I get to Yale. Also, got Diana trying to get back into school. Yes, they got her into St. John's. Still in New York. What if she has them thinking about going to Stansfield? Never know. Never know. That would be another storyline. That could be interesting if they pull that off in season three. Crazy thing is Drew's still young enough. Why not put him in school? 
hey, hey. That's what I'm saying. Drew's no dummy. And his boo's still there. Alright, so now that we dealt with Effie, I'm not saying too much about Effie because I'm going to end up talking about some situations with Effie or some other characters later on. So, next let's go to Professor Milgram. Professor Milgram, when she ended up reading the story that Jabari wrote, she automatically assumed that it was Brayden that was being discussed in the paperwork until she realized that a lot of the situations that was in the paper was about Tariq and his family. So she put two and two together and realized that one of the people who killed uh, the police officer and, and Jabari Reynolds was Tariq. I don't know how she got the police officer in that whole situation because Tariq had nothing to do with it and honestly didn't find out about it until after he was arrested. Now that I think about yes, yes, yes. I was about to say, now that I think about it, I don't even think he knew the police officer, but he did. He did. So I remember in the first season when Kane picked him up, the police officer was at the house. So I do remember that. I do remember that. Um, so it was interesting. Because I do remember him saying, wait, Ramirez is dead? Like, he, he didn't know. And it was it was funny because I forgot what lawyer told him, but he looked dead at him and was like, oh, so you didn't know. So we know you didn't do this one, but what about Professor Reynolds? Oh, so you got a different reaction for that one. So at least we know it's a possibility that, that one is true. So... The one thing that Tariq and his dad always had was you can tell when they're telling the truth and you can also tell when they're lying. Now, when they're lying to anybody that like you or me, we probably look at it like, well, geez, how did how did they, how were they able to tell that he was lying there? I think that's a, probably the aspect of the show that they just did just so they can actually say something like that because it was kind of hard to tell when he was lying and telling the truth. So that's that part of it. Um, yeah. So with that being said, professor Milgram, I wanted to punch in the face the entire time she was on, on the, on the show for this particular season. So basically even though she was accusing Tariq, she was doing it so blatantly that it was like, it was frustrating. Like, okay, I'll give you an example. You ever know somebody did something wrong and you wanted to tell somebody that they did it, but they don't believe you? So... In order to make them believe you, you just repeatedly do stupid stuff over and over to to piss them off to you got it glued in your head that that person did. That was Professor Milgram this whole season, okay? And here's what I've been. She read the paper that Jabari wrote 
Hardback was like, this sounds like Tariq's family. Okay, cool. Tariq, I want you to read this. Does this sound familiar? And and the crazy thing is for Tariq, I don't know why he wrote this paper in the context that he did. I don't know because it just made no sense. It just made no sense. Like, literally, why would you put in a school paper the entire information about your family? But you did it. And I almost got in an accident. Sorry, guys. Um, no, I don't have the phone in my hand. It's sitting on the car. This car just went 45 and a 25 just to get in front of me and cut two cars off. Um, so she basically was doing that for six of the episodes. Just badgering over and over. Lauren, I'm sorry, but the truth had to come out. Lauren, I'm, it's good that you find out. Uh, writing on the board in class, truth, what is truth, this, 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 and this. When, when Tariq got out and showed up to class, she started getting all worried like because she knew she snitched. And the crazy thing is Tariq didn't even approach her in a negative way. Never. Never. All the stuff she did on Tariq, he never retaliated. But she was entirely nervous the entire time. As soon as Tariq found out that the bug was put planted on Lauren. Classic. Classic. Here's what I'm saying. Tariq found out that the bug was put on Lauren. And Braden and Kane was on the tape. She mentioned it in class about this, this, and this. Nobody's seen Lauren. So Tariq was, was worried. So he left and went to her dormitory. So Professor Milgram thought Tariq was going in there to kill him, for for him to kill her, thinking that's what was going to happen. So Tariq went in there, popped out the shadows like ghost. Went at Professor Milgram like, I don't understand what you're saying. You were trying to protect her, this and this and this, but you're willing to put her on a stand in a murder trial and this. That's basically putting her life on the line. You don't care about nobody but yourself. Which is true. She was willing to sacrifice a student's life to get Tariq behind bars. And we all know Tariq wasn't going to take no real no real jail time. We all knew that. Like, come on, man. We, we watched this show. We know what's going on. If he's going to jail, it's probably going to be for a couple of days. He's going to get out on a technicality. <laughs> That's just how it works. That's how that's how power works. Okay. So Professor Milgram screwed yourself. Yes, she did. Then it got to the point where the accusations went on Zeke. Zeke got out because they put the blame on Tariq. And Monet came to her and said, Listen, I'm gonna tell you one thing. As long as you're around, my son will never come to me. He will always come to you because you're the love of his life. Then randomly, Zeke walks into her apartment and she hung herself. All she had to do was move. Like, 
What what is up with people committing suicide? Move to a different city and start fresh. It's not that hard. All right, so let's move on to Zeke. Everybody making fun of Zeke, man, but listen. Whoever wrote lines for Zeke needs to be fired, okay? Because it is clearly not nobody else. And if you guys watch Power Book 2, you guys know what I'm talking about. All right, look, check this out. So Zeke went through a phase where he got accused of killing Professor Reynolds, which made no sense. And the cop, which also made no sense. So the reason why Professor Reynolds didn't make any sense is because he barely seen or talked to the guy. Like, period. Barely seen or talked to him. Even though his office was right next to Professor Milgram. He'd never seen a Professor Reynolds. Hardly ever. Okay? So, that's part one of what makes no sense. He never knew that him and Professor Milgram dated. Why would he have any issues with that? Doesn't know. Now, when it comes to the cop, he couldn't have killed the cop. Because why would he pull his PBA card out? Like, make it make sense. If you killed somebody, why are you going to use him as an alibi? If you know he's dead. So, that whole part of the storyline made no sense. Second part that made no sense. When they were all at the dinner table, arguing over how everybody was screwing everybody over, the, the Tejadas, Screwing everybody over, screwing each other over, all this and all that. Zeke never had anything to say. So, Monet got to the point where she was just like, listen, you're not going to be any issue. You might as well go ahead and sit down and stay. Then that's where Diana hit him with the bomb. Zeke, I was looking up your birth certificate. And there's no Ezekiel Cross born in 2002. No. She said... No, okay, so here's the conversation. So Monet got upset that Diana was talking, running her mouth, this and that, that and this. Then it came out that she was sleeping with Tariq. Okay, cool. She got heated and said, well, I ain't the only one sleeping around on folk. Somebody been sleeping with this, some cat named Dante. So, of course, Mary J, Monet gets up frustrated She's lying. She's lying. I ain't been doing this. She's lying. A little line B. She said, oh, yeah? Here's a birth certificate. Z, here you go. This ain't right. This ain't even my birthday. Oh, yeah? I called the hospital. They don't have no records of Ezekiel Cross born in 2002, but they for damn sure got somebody born in 1998. Oh, bombshell. Oh no, that dude that showed up, that wasn't my dad. That ain't my dad. Auntie, auntie, this can't be real, right? 
Z, that ain't your auntie. That ain't your mama. No, that's your mama. Wait a minute. This is going to mess up my draft stock. Oh, what? You just found out your aunt of 23 years is actually your mama. And the first thing out your mouth is your draft stock. Listen, people. I almost blew a gasket when I seen that. Listen. 23 years. First of all, you think you're 19. I don't know how you think you're 19, but whatever. We're going on with the story. Normally, when they skip out some ages, they ain't skipping out four years. They might skip out two, one, maybe four? Come on, my man. You're telling me you was in first grade and then realized you was 11 and everybody else was seven, six? <laughs> Come on, Slim. Come on, Slim. So... He over there talking about some, yo, this is going to mess up my draft stock. They're going to say I lied. I didn't lie. You lied. You the one that lied about my age. Nigga. I'm still stuck on the fact that you just found out your aunt is your mama. And you talking about draft stock. But I digress. I can get a little bit deeper on that. Because there was a couple times... When he said in high school he was Freaky Zeke, that's when he got the nickname Freaky Zeke. So you're telling me that you was probably 20, 21, smashing some 16, 15, and 17-year-olds. Freaky Zeke. Yeah, you thinking about the wrong thing, Slim. Oh, my God. That just disgusts me just thinking about it. Anyway, moving along with Zeke's storyline... He ended up coloring his hair, and uh, I, I have nothing to say about that. That was just another corny thing that he did throughout the season. Um, he ended up sitting down talking to Mecca, and you know, getting the full gist of how to treat Monet and all that other stuff throughout the rest of the season until the final episode. Where Mecca gave him an ultimatum and said, listen, you can either get better with me, I give you this car, here you go. When you're ready, we're going to leave at this, this, this time and move somewhere and start over. Cool. Now, on the end of this review, I'm going to bring up everything that happened within the last 20 minutes of the episode, okay? So, moving along to the Tejadas. First, we're going to start off with Kane. Kane is by far the biggest idiot of the entire show. Kane had a vendetta against the wrong people. Kane had a vendetta against himself. And Kane was too trustworthy with everyone. Kane got problems. Okay. But we're going to move along from that. Diana. Diana has become by far the biggest. Mm, what should I say? The biggest... Ah, what's the word I'm looking for? She's, she's, my, she's going to be the biggest problem in the Tejada family moving forward. She's going to get herself into things where it's possibly going to make you go... Why would she even think about doing that? 
And I think every Tejada kid is going to have their issues that way. Same thing with Kane. Kane is going to do something thinking he's right when it's completely wrong. Diana is going to put everybody in a situation where she's going to feel something is fine and it's completely wrong. I think Diana had probably the weakest storyline out of everyone in Power Book 2 for this, this particular season. She came with a lot of heat and fire on the reveal for Zeke, but she doesn't really have any other memorable moments outside of that. Now let's get to Drew. Drew has the classic case of forceful sexuality in a TV show that frustrates me so much. Here's what I mean by that. It is okay to have a gay person in a television show. It is okay to show sexuality with gay people in a television show. It is not okay to forcefully add it to a storyline that that kills the story. So, he has a strong love interest in the show. That's fine. He used the strong uh, love interest in the show to get a lot of things done in the ser- in this particular season. That's fine. But when you do certain things in the show and it feels lazy because you're adding it because you need to because of their sexuality, that's lazy. So, Drew had a task that he had to take care of and in order for him to do this task, and I say this about any character, because it happens all the time in power, in Ghost, in Power, period. For me, if I was doing any of these tasks that these people are doing, the first thing that would be off or not on my person is my phone. If I'm going to kill somebody, all these phones got GPS and everything in it, why am I going to have my phone on me? So if somebody says they found a body around this particular time and your your phone is one of the phones that pings and then all of a sudden it links to the fact that you know this person, you're done. You're done, okay? That's what I'm saying. Idiocy does not make a good story. Drew had a couple situations that he had to take care of. And the first thing he does is look at his phone because he gets a text message from his love interest. And I'm just sitting there like, this this is just stupidity. He's doing something that's 100% illegal. And he has his phone on him. The, the one thing that made Tommy so good in the, in the original Power series is the fact that he never really looked at his phone when he had to handle business. Think about it. It was certain times that that Ghost told him to do something. And he was like, Tommy's not answering his phone. I got to beat him to it. Hello? There's a reason why. Like, I think the fact that Drew has a love interest is going to hurt him in the long run. And it sucks. It really sucks. Because that's, that's a poor way of writing. Like, if he's sitting back thinking about the person, and then he says, you know what, this is going to ruin this person's life, 
cool. If he's going to do something and all of a sudden he's getting a text message from this person, that's like, come on now. That's like me coming home right now doing this 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 review. And right before I'm like going to start blowing up and talking about somebody who I completely hate, I just randomly get a text message from him. How often does that happen? Exactly, that much. So, that's what I'm saying. I think with Drew, they had a lot of lazy writing for Drew. I really cannot think of a strong part of this particular season with Drew that did not have anything to do with his with his sexuality. I really can't. Like, the first season, he got shot. He showed his strength. He showed that he could do a bunch of stuff. He showed that he could lead. He showed that he could make mistakes. And he talked about his sexuality. Fine. You have a lot of things going on with one character. I literally cannot think of one thing in the second season that Drew did that had nothing to do with his sexuality. If you can, send me a message. Let me know. Because I must have forgot it. I'm going to go back through and watch the entire season again. But I just I just don't remember that. So I think Drew and, and Diana had two of the worst storylines this particular season. Now, let's get to Monet. Monet's storyline was very interesting. Very interesting. Like, I'm trying to think. It was like she was basically living two lives and not knowing what life she actually wanted. Like, obviously she wanted Lorenzo to be home. But after the first day when Lorenzo started running things, she didn't like the fact that she no longer had any power. So she went over to Mecca. And with Mecca... He basically just showered her with everything that he wanted to do the first time around. So it was kind of weird, her storyline. Um, also with Tariq on her aspect of it. It was like Tariq basically was 100% out of the whole situation. There's nothing he could do to fix any way that Monet thought about him until the Zeke situation came up and she basically was just one-sided for the rest of the season up until the very last episode. So Monet's storyline was very interesting. So let's go to Saxon McLean. I think McLean basically had a stance that he's going to, to try to find a way to win a case but every aspect that he wanted to do to win the case was actually hurting his case until everyone that wanted to help Tariq jumped in and ended up winning the, the case for him. And then comes to Sax. Sax is a very interesting story because he wants to do what's right, but he's still under the table. Plus, he's over the table working with McLean. Plus, he's still messing with the district attorney that's on the opposite side. I actually like Sax's storyline. I don't like him as an actor for this role, but 
the role that he has, he's doing an amazing job with it. And it's it's very entertaining. And finally, dealing with actually no no no. So we got Rashad Tate. Rashad Tate's whole motive was with with Jabari Reynolds gone, he's going to fill in for the the professor role at Stadsfield, and he still was pushing to take the role. Of, I think it was governor for some reason. I don't, I don't remember for some reason. I wrote this down, but I think it's something completely different. So he's trying to find a way to step into the role that was not vacant, but taken by somebody who clearly has a motive. And I think Rashad Tate is going to come to a situation later on in the next season where it's, I think it's going to bite, bite him in the butt. Now, with that, Kamal Tate, his brother, has been caught up in a situation with with uh, with Tate. And I don't know how their brotherly love is going to progress in the third season after what happened in the second season. So basically, his brother moved up the ranks with the help of his brother. And he found us some information on the Tariq case that could help the district attorney solve the crime. And when Tariq gave the councilman the information that he needed to take the role, he flipped the switch and snitched on some information that he found out from his brother and made his brother lose his job. Now, like I said, they really didn't give you too much story between those two for the next season outside of the fact that he's trying to take the new position and bring his brother along with him. I don't know how his brother is going to act ever since make, forcing him to lose his job. So that part of it is going to be very interesting. Okay, so did I leave anyone out? Mecca. Mecca, 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 Mecca. We finally found out a bunch of information about Mecca. So, Mecca was Monet's boyfriend when they were kids. They ended up having a baby when Monet was 16, who ended up being Zeke. Now, the crazy thing is, according to a lot of the dates that they have shown, Zeke's birthday was forced in 2002, or forged in 2002, which was actually 1998. And Kane's birthday is 1997 for what we saw on some paperwork. But as they had the fight at the dinner table, Kane mentioned that Zeke was your older son. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, so the date that they put out on Kane was incorrect as well. Or she was messing with Lorenzo and Mecca at the same time. Now, she clearly said that Mecca was first. But now Lorenzo knows the reason why Monet was acting funny with Zeke bringing him into the family all the time. It's because Zeke is her son. So that means they're lying about Kane's birth. Was Kane born in 99? Drew was born in uh, 2000 and Diana was 2001. I think that's how it is. I think I can't remember if Diana was 2000 or 2002, but whatever. 
they was they was trying to perpetrate like Diana and Zeke were the same age. My man looked older than me, okay? Or as Barton would say, 15, mother, you look 30. So when it came to Mecca, Mecca's basic was to have Monet and Zeke in his life after getting back on his feet. But Tariq found out that Mecca was one of the biggest informants for the FBI. And that's when everything turned haywire. So Mecca was not only one of the biggest informants. At one point, he couldn't even get into the U.S. He went to the military, found some information. The government used them for foreign affairs. That's how we found out about a bunch of stuff in the original power. He was basically the guy letting the government know when people was coming in and out of the country, which makes me want to watch the original power over again, because I think there are probably some Easter eggs in there that people just don't know. And ultimately, it got to the point toward the end of the show that a lot of things would transpire and lead to him. So I think I'm going to do a different review because this is going on a little bit too far. Um, I really didn't want to do over an hour, but of course I got to talk about every character. Um, so yes, for me, I would say that the second season was by far more enjoyable while the first season was more entertaining. The first season had a very better story and the second season was just fleshed out to try to create something for different characters to make you like them more, but it kind of hurt them just a little bit. Okay, so I'll just say this. I'm going to make a different one just so that I can do the final episode. I'm going to rewatch the final episode because I know there's a lot of things that I missed. And I'm going to put that one out. So I'm just going to say that this second season of Power Book 2, I'm rating it a 4. You guys definitely got to watch this. Definitely put this in your rotation. I'm also going to put out the... The initial uh, pilot for Power Book 4 Force, what I thought about the Tommy storyline on the, on the first episode, and the final episode of Power Book 2, Ghost. Alright? So I appreciate you guys listening in, man. Thank you for jumping in. Hit up my socials, Big Earth 716 Love you guys, man. Appreciate you listening. I'm going to holler at you guys. Peace!